Our Easter story today is a story from the Bible. (laughs) By someone we call Luke. I'm not telling you this Easter story. That's for later. But before we have that story, I want to say that everybody knows what a story is, right? This happened, and then this happened, and this, this happened, and that's how the story goes. One thing happens after another. But what are stories for? Well, some stories are told to entertain us, to make us laugh, to make us cry, to teach us a lesson, to keep us from being bored. And some stories are told to get the facts straight. It happened exactly like this. Stories like this are told in courtrooms and in important meetings, and someone takes notes. Then there's another kind of story you tell because, well, you just have to. What else can you do? Because something happened, something you saw or something you were part of, something happened that you really can't describe, but still you want to say it or sing it or dance it or draw it because it's that important because of what it did to your heart. It was like your heart was a chalice and someone put a match to your heart and kindled within you the glow of love and the fire of commitment and you will never forget. And you say to your friends, you really had to be there. I can't really describe it, but I'll try. And so here's the story. For instance, one small example. Last Sunday, after you had gone home from church, we had a memorial service here in this room, in this sanctuary, for a man named Jim who died at age 87. Here's the program for his memorial service, and there's a beautiful drawing, a painting on the front that he did of a lighthouse, uh, Lake Superior. On the back is his photo and a poem he wrote. Inside, another poem he wrote. There were a couple hundred people in here sitting where you are sitting, and we had music, and Kelly was the minister, and she spoke about Jim. And then she took the microphone out into the crowd, and she said, anyone want to say something about Jim? And people did. Family members, friends who'd known him since way back when Jim was kicked out of Blake School for smoking, and, and glad of it. And there was his World War II army buddy who told how Jim's feet were nearly frozen off in the Battle of the Bulge. And Jim's neighbor girl who would go to his house and pour out her heart because Jim knew how to listen and he never judged. And his daughter said when they were young it embarrassed them the way he talked to everyone because for Jim there were no strangers. Jim made poems and paintings out of his love for life and he always followed his heart. Kelly took the mic around, and three people, five people, six people, eight people shared old memories about Jim. And then a man stood up who nobody had seen before. He had a paper in his hand. And Kelly held the mic for him, and the man said, I work at the FedEx store in Ridgedale, and yesterday I found a piece of paper on the copier Someone had forgotten. It happens all the time. People walk out and leave the original behind on the copier. And this was the paper, this program here I showed you. And the program says on the front, The Celebration of the Life and Times of Jim Colvin. 
Someone in your family had left it there, he said, and I never read papers that are left behind, but I saw the painting of the lighthouse, and then I turned it over and I read the poem written by the man who died. And then I opened the program and read his other poem about being middle-aged, and I was so moved, and I wanted to know him better. I wanted to come and be with you today, though you don't know me. And last night I went home and I wrote a poem of my own, and if I may, I'd like to share it with you, he said. And he read, Amused he was to me. He died 11 days ago. I read his poem left on a copier. It was about a belly laugh so deep it loosed the worries of your soul. I never heard his voice. But he could paint. I saw the lighthouse. It brought floods of memories I had locked down. Jim... I wish I'd known him 12 days ago. I wish I'd heard him laugh. I wish I'd seen him hug his wife and daughters. I wish I'd sat next to him and listened to the wit coming in and out of him like breathing. The party he'll miss is called Celebration of the Life and Times of Jim Colvin. Mr. Colvin, some people just deserve a party. The rugged and gentle muses among us like you. And then the man sat down. And we gazed at him through our tears. And then we looked at each other as if to say, do you feel what's just happened? And then we looked back at the stranger and our hearts were saying, you are no stranger, you are family. And later in the social hall, Jim's friends and family hugged the FedEx man and thanked him and said, what you did is just the kind of thing Jim would do. And Jim's wife said, would you come to our house and see more of Jim's paintings? And the stranger who had become family said, thank you, I would love to, and I'm sure he'll go. You really had to be there. To feel the spirit in the room and to know how Jim would have loved it and how, in a way, Jim was there. I can't tell the story so you'll know exactly how it was, but I need to try. Many stories in the Bible are this kind of story, heart stories, including the one we'll hear right now. Once upon a time, a long, long time ago, before there were Unitarian Universalists, I mean a long time ago, before there were Lutherans or Catholics or even Christians, I mean a really long, long, long time ago. There were two travelers who walked together down a dusty road in a faraway land. They were walking to a small village called Emmaus, a few miles from the city of Jerusalem. Look, everyone, they're right there. Look. Something Terrible had happened in Jerusalem, and the two travelers walked along with heavy hearts and downcast eyes. They were very sad. Their friend and teacher had been killed, and they were beside themselves with grief. Their teacher was Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus had gone to Jerusalem to speak and teach about a new way of being in the world. This was very dangerous. He'd been attracting larger and larger crowds with his ideas, and he had a way of offering hope that really took root in people's hearts. 
This made him really popular with poor people, with sick people, with slaves, with women. And hungry people and homeless people. But it made him very dangerous to the people who wanted things to stay exactly as they were. Jesus had been killed in the way that most people had been put to death by the Roman government in those days. His body had been nailed to a large wooden cross. It took a long time to die this way. And his friends, the travelers, had watched him suffer. They were so sad. While they were walking, another traveler, a stranger, came along. Look, everyone, there he is, right there. The stranger skipped down the road like he was happy or something. He was a little bit strange, to say the least, and they weren't quite sure what to think of the guy. The stranger asked them, Hey, what are you talking about, hmm? Uh, What are you talking about while you walk along with each other, hmm? The two travelers looked at each other. Whoa, is this guy from Mars? So the traveler named Cleopas answered, Are you the only stranger in all of Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have taken place there? What things? What are you guys talking about? It looks like it's making you very upset. Maybe you should stop talking about it. Maybe you should look at the sky and give thanks to God for how blue it is. Or maybe you should just sit yourself down underneath that fig tree over there and give thanks for shade. Maybe you should sing a song. Do you know this one? Come sing a song with me. If you know it, sing it. Come sing a song with me. Come sing a song with me that I might know your mind. And I'll bring you If I were sad, I would sing a song. Well, that would be my advice anyway. So, um, uh, what are you guys talking about? The travelers couldn't believe this guy. We are talking about Jesus of Nazareth, the mighty prophet. He was mighty in his words and in everything he did before God and all the people. We're talking about how he was put to death. Do you understand what a blow this is? We were hoping he would lead us into a time of justice, a time when we would be free. But there won't be any freedom now. There won't be any justice now. Justice is dead. Whoa! Whoa! That is a leap! Oh, how Foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe what all the prophets have declared, including your friend, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Jesus. Oh, right, 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 right. Jesus. Don't you remember what Jesus taught? Don't you remember the prophets? Don't you remember Moses? So do you remember the story of Moses? Who remembers what Moses did? Raise your hand if you remember. Everyone. 
Okay, can anyone say what it is he did? Any kids especially? He brought some people from one place to another. Anyone know? Okay, shout it out, grown-ups, if you can help me out. There's Fia. Fia, Fia, you know. He brought the slaves out of Egypt, exactly. And Jews celebrate something, a holiday, to remember that story. What's the name of that holiday? Passover, exactly. So during Passover, Jewish people eat things that remind them of their history, right? And they eat things to remember a new vision of justice. Everyone is welcome at the Passover table. Everyone is welcome to participate in that new vision. They say, let all who are hungry come and eat. Now, the two travelers in this story were Jews, or at least they loved the traditions and teachings of the Jewish people. And I'll tell you another secret. We know the stranger was a Jew for sure. So when the stranger starts talking about Moses, everybody's thinking about hardship. Everybody's thinking about slavery. Everybody's thinking about the promised land, a land of justice and peace. Everybody's thinking about the Passover meal, the last supper they had just shared with their friend Jesus before he was killed. The stranger went on. What do you think Jesus was trying to teach you, huh? He was talking about freedom. Don't you get it? He was talking about the freedom you feel in your heart when you treat a stranger like they are your own family. When you treat a stranger like they are your own family, it does something to you. He was talking about justice. He was talking about how fast justice grows in your community when everyone is welcomed around a table to eat and drink, no matter if it's Passover or not, no matter if you like them or not. Believe me, if you do that, it does something to you. He was talking about loving the source of life so much that every creature, great or small, is a blessing in this world. Believe me, you do that, and the promised land is everywhere. Moses led his people to a land where there were no longer slaves. Believe me, Jesus was trying to do the same thing. The travelers shrugged their shoulders. They weren't quite sure what the stranger meant, but at least he was entertaining. (laughs) Now, by this time, they had reached the village of Emmaus. The stranger waved goodbye and skipped ahead as if he were leaving. Wait, 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 don't go, called the travelers. Stay with us. It's almost evening and the day is nearly over. It's too dangerous to be out on the road by yourself. You should stay with us. Stay with us and share a meal. So all three of them went inside. They gathered around the table. But the travelers just couldn't help themselves. They had to point out a couple more reasons why they were justified in feeling so hopeless. They began, Even if what you say is all true, things are a lot more difficult than you may understand. It's now three days since our teacher's death, 
and some women went to his grave to anoint his body with oil and spices, and the body was gone. Poof! Gone! We're sure someone stole the body of our teacher from his grave. They're making a mockery of us and everything our teacher stood for. Sure, the women came back with some cockamamie story about an angel, some vision that told them not to be afraid. That's what angels always say. Don't be afraid. What do they know? It's scary down here on earth. The stranger said no more words. He simply took the bread from the table, blessed it, and broke it in two. Then he handed a piece to each of them. The bread felt warm in their hands. The travelers bowed their heads. The smell was so rich and deep, it made their stomachs growl. It made them ache for a taste. Something about the bread jostled their memory banks. Something about the stranger's words made their hearts burn within them. Something about the whole experience made their minds bloom and flower like the flowers on this table, and they saw a new future of justice. They recognized the stranger. They saw their friend Jesus. And in that instant, the stranger disappeared. Some people think the stranger was Jesus himself. Some people think the stranger was just a stranger. But it doesn't matter. What matters is that we remember and understand that when you treat a stranger like they are your own family, it does something to you. When everyone is welcomed at a table to eat and drink, no matter if you like them or not, it does something to you. If you love the source of all life so much that every creature, great or small, is a blessing, then we change the world. And everywhere you look is the promised land. The travelers ran from the inn with their minds and their hearts wide open. And they preached love and freedom for everyone and everything for the rest of their days. May, May we, we remember, remember and, and do the same. Memory, memory and miracle in the mundane. In a loaf of bread. In a gathering around a table with friends and strangers. Memory and miracle in the mundane. And the communion table, or the Passover table, is a living memory table that connects us across time and space and even death to those teachers and prophets, those we love. It is a memory table that connects us to a bold, poetic vision, a vision of justice and freedom, a vision of abundant life, a vision of what might be. Around that table, 
when we eat history, when we eat history around that table and reactivate deep memories, we remember gestures of hospitality, of equality, of love. The communion table, the Passover table, is a living memory table, a miracle table that reminds us how we might get to the promised land. And today, we're on our way. Great God, we're on our way.